just to let you know, just really quickly, the, the thing, hopefully that you won't know anything, you won't know anything about each other except Christ and Him crucified. Just to let you know where we're going tonight. Uh, I'm a teacher at heart. I'm a teacher because I was trained as a profession, but more so because I am called by God and anointed to do so. Tonight, what I hope to do is not just give you information, because that can only change your mind. But hopefully I can give you revelation that can change who you are. And I believe that God has a word for you tonight. Uh, uh, I believe that we're going to get to share some things. And I'm going to start off by the title. Uh, I know that uh, we have a lot of recordings. I, I subscribe to the podcast from this ministry, and I try to keep up. Um, I don't always keep up every week, but I'll go back and I'll, I'll usually catch up in some type of traveling fashion. I'll catch up on everything. But the title of tonight's message is going to be, I Wonder As I Wonder, for this Wednesday night, May 22nd. I Wonder As I Wonder. I'm not sure if my accent, that's why I'm doing the hand signals for you. It's not because of you, it's because of me. <laughs> I Wonder As I Wonder. What? That sounds like it's the same word. It's not. Um, as, as, I was, as we were getting ready for uh, tonight, just praying and kind of coming here, uh, I have to share some of this because it comes from where I am as a person. And so it is authentic. Uh, I'm not teaching at you. I'm not preaching at you. I'm speaking to you as one who is uh, in a season where I've been wondering as I'm wandering around. Uh, I don't know where you think. I don't know where you're, the place that you think. Perhaps it's on the throne somewhere in your home. For me, it is... Yeah, I just thought I started off with that. Sorry. Uh, for me, it's when I'm cutting grass. Putting the earphones, turn it up, usually louder than I normally would because I've got to get over the lawnmower, and I just cut the grass. I actually don't mind cutting grass at all. It gives me time, and people don't mess with you, usually, while you're cutting grass. They're like, oh, <laughs> just cutting the grass. So I don't have to answer the phone. I'm sorry. I was cutting the grass. And I just get to... I just. The mundane task of going around in circles for a while actually kind of helps me. It helps me think and, and inevitably it kind of clears my head. And Lord, what are you saying? Because I fill my head with lots of busyness. And so sometimes the clutter, and it's good to declutter. You guys know how it's good to declutter your house sometimes? If you're about to sell your house, what do you do? You declutter your house. Which means for most of us, it's not that we throw things away. We just find a storage unit and put it in the storage unit, right? And we just fill that up with more stuff. But sometimes our minds are so filled with stuff we can't hear when God is trying to speak something clearly to us. He is speaking to us. There's a, uh, sometimes we make hearing God a very difficult process. And truthfully, I know that it's usually the hearing part as much as the being obedient part that we should be worrying about. Um, here's the question that has been going on in my mind and my heart. And I'm just going to share with you. Eric and I have not talked anything about really anything. I was in Waxahachie, Texas today, uh, right south of Dallas. So I drove up to up to just about Dallas, did some things there at a university today, drove back to Austin, literally got in the car, calling my wife on the way, hey, we need to hurry up. We got three hours to drive from Austin to Houston. I'm going to go in there, I'm going to put on a different pair of shoes, and we're leaving. So we loaded the car, it was about a 10-minute turnaround, and we just got here about six, about 20 minutes till service started tonight. So we haven't had a chance to talk, so I hope and I pray that this is something that will bless you. The question that's been going on in my thoughts as I'm preparing is, Lord, where are you going with me? Lord, what are you doing? As I'm wandering around, I'm going, God, what is it, that, what is it that's going on here? Um, I'm reminded that God is a both and kind of God versus an either or. 
Let me, let, me give you what I'm, let me give you what I'm thinking of. God is a both and kind of God. He is full of grace and truth. It is important that we get in the Word and in the Spirit. Don't you know people who like to focus on one or the other? There are denominations that are created because they have a revelation of God's grace. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. But He's also full of truth. He is not either or. He is both and. When you lose sight of the totality of this thing, you can get lopsided. I was going to say catechomist. Anybody know that word? Yes. We're in, we're in Texas. I can use that word. Okay. Right? If you go only one or the other because God has given you a particular revelation and in your heart you needed to know that God is full of grace, maybe because you were raised in a place where there was no grace. So when you hear the message of grace, you're like, ah, that's life. Yes, it is. Absolutely. And he's full of truth. Maybe the only place that you caught truth when you were growing up was in a very uh, legalistic, hypocritical, harsh kind of way. Let me tell you, that's not truth. That's someone who forgot that there's grace. God is both grace and truth. God is both the one that says, go into all the world. And he says, wait until the Spirit is poured out. Well, am I supposed to go or am I, am I supposed to wait? My answer to you is yes. Amen. Have you ever felt that way? Like I thought God said go, but now I have to wait. I thought God anointed me to be king, but I'm going back out in the pen and taking care of the sheep. I, I, I thought you said I would do. No, did I not hear you? It's both. Go and wait. Right? It's works and it's faith. Right? We can read in James and we know it's both. There are great theological arguments. Is it works? I'm a faith thing. Man, it's both. Quit trying to make God so one-sided. You're missing the whole picture. Really what I like to think about it is on one end of a continuum, really if I would have had time, I would probably put a string, good old clothesline, right? And on one side you can put grace. And on one side you can put truth. And God just operates equally in every facet along the continuum, right? It doesn't matter where He is. It's works. Of course it is. We want to show God that we love Him. But that's not what causes salvation. I work for Him because it's already done. It's an outgrowth of an inward process. I'm not trying to show. It's both. It's about evangelism. And it's about discipleship. Yes. It's both. It's about the spirit, being spirit-led. When I was growing up, that meant you probably didn't prepare for your sermon because you're going to be spirit-led today. You're going to be spirit-led. That means you didn't prepare. I know what you really mean. Right? It's spirit, and it's the word. It's family, and it's ministry. Yes, it's both. We've almost exalted family to a place these days where it's more important than ministry. Why? Because so many people ignored their family to create, quote unquote, a ministry and they lost their home. That's why the typical PK preacher's kids are the ones that are always like, those are the crazy ones. Those are the wild ones. Why? Because there wasn't a both and understanding to this. It is your family. Absolutely. You better treat them right. Your ministry should flow from your home. You shouldn't run over your home to get to the ministry. But yet, if God has placed ministry within you, there's a deep burden 
there is a burning about if I don't do ministry, it sometimes means that I'm not by my family. It's both. It's the spectacular. It's God performing miracles. And it's the practical. It's the everyday, normal, in and out, walking around, who are you talking to, who did you go to the store and bump into, or if you're traveling for your job, who are you sitting next to on the plane, it's the practical. And it's the spectacular. It's all of the above. It's the maturity that we need to have, and it's keeping a childlike heart. It's both. Let's quit trying to narrow and pigeonhole things down to the point where we try to make things a little bit too elementary sometimes. If I'm talking to you, I want to say it, we are the age of sound bites. We now have access to any preacher basically we want in America, don't we? Yeah. I'll listen to such and such. And then I'll flip on a different podcast and I'll listen to such and such. You know what? We get used to hearing, having other people hear from God for us is what we get used to doing. It's a great resource. Of course it is. I'm not against that. But if I get used to hearing having other people hear for God for me and try to give me some soundbite, and I'll take that soundbite, oh, no, 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 that's a soundbite. That's only one part of what this is, even if it's true, even if I like it, even if it rhymes, even if it's catchy. It's just a soundbite, man. Come on. I'm not going to build my whole theology on that. There's something about this thing that we have to keep progressing in what God has. There's something interesting, though, as we're talking about this, about being unrecognized. There's something that is really captivating when we're doing something and we're overlooked. Have you ever been overlooked? Have you ever been the last kid picked in the line? Yes. So you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> right? Required. <laughs> as well you should have been. <laughs> if you haven't ever been picked last, it's probably because you haven't done enough stuff. To feel that, that, that feel like, uh, let, let, me, let me put it in practical terms, uh, on the job. How did that guy get promoted above me? That guy? Because I didn't know what he's talking about. I'm way better. How do you handle those moments and those times and those seasons of obscurity? How do you handle those times when you are overlooked and you are wandering out somewhere? It feels like, here I am, wandering in the desert. I'm just wandering around. Don't really, what does it mean to wander? It means that you don't have a purpose, you don't have a direction to go, and you don't really have a plan to get there. One of those two makes you wander. You guys, some of you have kids. Have you ever seen your kids just wander around the house? I need you to go put up the clothes in your room. I sound like Bill Cosby, then. That was, that was not, I was not trying to go Bill Cosby on that. But, like, I need you, right? Right, so you, like, I need you to go do this. I need, I need you to go walk in your room and do this. Okay, Dad. Seriously. You are walking as if you don't have a place that I told you to go. Oh, I'm going. I'm going, Dad. Then you need to get there. Let's move this along because I need you to do something. And slow obedience in my house equals no obedience. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Right? So there's this, there's this wandering, there's this meandering, there's this loafing and, and loitering and whatever it is. And sometimes I feel like I'm doing that in the kingdom of God. I'm a grown man. I have a wife and kids and family and a house and 
You know, where are we going with this, God? Because I see people around me, and they seem to be advancing. And I feel like I'm standing in the same place. Or perhaps I'll, there's some motion, kind of like a rocking horse, right? There's motion, but there's or there's movement, but there's no motion. I'm doing something. I'm going to church. Here I am. I ain't going anywhere. I'm on a stationary bike. I'm working it hard. Right? <laughs> You're not going anywhere, bro. Relax. <laughs> Maybe I'm the only one that's ever felt this way, but I've felt this way in my walk with Jesus Christ before. What am I doing? Are we going to do something? Are we going to go somewhere? I thought you spoke to me. Go at some point in my life. I thought you said, I, thought, I had these dreams of glory. I had dreams of doing something for the kingdom. Now, I'm not trying to be selfish. Well, not trying to be. Sometimes my dreams for myself put me very central. I'm the star of the show. Yes? Maybe, maybe it's just me. <laughs> it's, just, it's just me. Right? In my delusions of grandeur, it's always me standing up for a thousand. Yeah. And I've got the spotlight on. Yeah. God doesn't care about my spotlight. He won't share his spotlight with me. And I would never want him to. But in my plans, part of the wandering here that goes on, part of us moving along in Christ is that he develops us in the wilderness. When he sends us out into the deep, Put you in a little boat and just send you out in the deep waters, right? What happens? There's nobody out there. You can get your whole million acre plot of water out there somewhere because there ain't nobody else around. God develops you in the deep places. God cultivates your character in the lonely places. We are so worried about, uh, here's, here's one of my personal fears. God, here's what I fear. If I get to the end of my life and I haven't done what you called me to do, I've got this timer on the inside of my head that keeps ticking, and it's really loud. What are you doing? Are you going to get there? What, what if I don't get there? What if I don't do it? What if I don't accomplish it? Uh, let me just encourage you. If you ever have a ticker like that, that's not from God. The one who is free from all time is not worried about how long it takes, unless you haven't noticed that yet. He uses time... The only thing that we really run short of, the thing that he is no, not bound by at all, he uses time as one of his most refining instruments to work on our lives, doesn't he? I, was, I felt like God called me into ministry at 16 years old. 16. Church camp. <laughs> Jesus, they're awesome. People laying hands on me, brother, you got called me into ministry. Oh, yes, Jesus. Well, until I was 35, until I had a full-time trip. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think, the, I think the Perot's gonna, I can still can't call you Perot. Hero. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Called him the other day. I was like, hi, this is Matt Perot. I was like, okay. Yeah, I'm like, I just threw his phone away. I was like, uh. Okay. There's sometimes that we wait, we go, God, why do you have this timing on my life? Why am I not going as fast as I, I, I think that I should go? It's because he's developing you. You develop things in the dark room. 
Now, some of you youngins may not know, but back in the day, you used to take a picture and it had film in the camera. And you had to get that film developed. We are trying to live in a digital picture kind of world. Click. My four-year-old will take a picture. She goes, I see. I want to see. Click. And she's used to, we're used to flipping a phone or camera around and she wants to see it immediately. When God speaks to you, it's like him taking a picture. And we want him to turn it around and show it to us immediately. Huh. Click, Michael, you're going to do some great things for God. Click. I want to see. Uh-uh. I see this is not the digital kind. I've got to go in the dark room and develop this. You might have to go to some, I don't mean dark as in a spiritually and a sinful way. That is not what I'm communicating. You need to go sell your wild oak. No, you don't. That is demonic. Absolutely not. But God, sometimes God takes you to a dark room so he can develop you. There's a process of developing and you don't and you cannot shortcut it. No matter what you do, the harder you fight, the more it shows that you're not ready. If you, my kids, we just have our, our oldest is now a teenager. A couple weeks into, we have an official teenager in the home. I remember teaching high school kids and them saying, Mr. So, I'm ready. Really? How are you now? We'll find out in a minute. Because I'm about to give you a test. And see what happens in the test is like, I see if you're ready or not. I, I see, I can see because of the outcome on this piece of paper, if you're ready. How many times have you ever come across somebody and you can clearly see at a, at a, at a maturity level? But mom, I'm mature enough to do this. The fact that you are whining in front of me shows me that you are nowhere close to being responsible enough to do this. But we do that, don't we? But God, I'm ready. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Don't look at the wilderness. Don't look at the dark room. Don't look at the deep end of this water and say that this is a punishment. Do you know how many things I would mess up if God actually gave me what I asked for? We know these things. You know, you guys have been in church. Y'all are part of a great church. Y'all study the word as good as anybody that I know, as any, as any church that I know. But you know what it doesn't do? Eric studying doesn't help the way I feel when it feels like I'm out left in the wilderness. What am I going to do? That's great. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you said that scripture today. I feel so encouraged. And I'm going to go back home and go, here I am. Still here, God. Still here. In case you forgot, still here. Still feel isolated, still feel forgotten, still feel overlooked. Here I am. Gonna do, did you forget? No, God did not forget. God did not forget. He is developing. He is working things out of you. And I don't care how old you are. Sorry, you don't get to quit just because you hit a certain age. Because the things that have been developed in me in the past are the preparation for the next thing. So this season that I'm in now, it feels like, can I handle the test of obscurity? Can I handle it? Can I do it well? We all like to talk about King David, one of the most influential figures in the Bible. One of my favorite Bible characters. There are so many scriptures. Do you know what? He served in obscurity. He served out on the back 40. If you're a baseball player, he served in the outfield of a little league baseball game. <laughs> Ain't nothing going on out there. Sitting down picking flowers, right? 
he served out where no one could see. And because of faithfulness, because of faithfulness, then God was able to promote. When he sees that you can handle the test of obscurity, then he can promote you where you need to go. Because handling the test of obscurity means you have the character to do exactly what he says. Because here's, here's the other side. When people haven't handled the, the test of obscurity well, when they do get promoted, when there is blessing, when there is a new season, you know what happens? They are intoxicated on the affections of men. I've been all alone and you've noticed me. There's a danger in getting noticed by the wrong people. I have two daughters in my house. As a father who worked in high school age group for a long time, I'm like, dear Lord, please Jesus, let these girls be invisible <laughs> to that whole crew. You know the crew I'm talking about. You know the ones. I want some invisibility. I want some not, you know, I just don't even want them to be seen because being noticed by the wrong person, if you are in a state of lack in your own heart, I don't care who they're noticed by, truthfully, as long as they're strong enough to understand who made them. It's when we are weak, it's when we're tired. Come on, y'all ever just been so tired, you're like, ugh. What happened to the children of Israel? They got tired waiting on Moses to come down from the mountain. They got tired. So what did they do? They built an idol. You know what we do when we get tired? We build idols. That's exactly what we still do today. We're waiting on God. We're waiting on God. We're like, well, God, I've waited on you for like a whole two weeks now. So I must mean that I need to go do something myself. I need to go put my hand on this thing and cause it to work out. That's not what God told you to do. That's not what he told you to do. He spoke something to you. And there's, there's the seed. There's time. And then there's the harvest. In my brain when I was a kid, it was always seed time. I put the seed in the ground. And then harvest. God is the alpha and... But what about in the middle? <laughs> is there a word for that? I don't know. I think that's life. That's us. He is the alpha man. At, at the beginning of something, oh, you can be excited. It's a new, it's a new day. It's a new season. It's a new year. Happy New Year. You get excited at the beginning of things, and then at the end of things, you can see the finish line. So there's a, re a renewed sense of, of strength within you. It's those middle periods where you're like, well, now what? <laughs> you got to keep running. Amen. You're in the race. Keep running. Amen. <laughs> Finding Nemo. I've got kids in the house. Just keep swimming. <laughs> Y'all have seen that, and now the song is playing in your head. You're welcome. Right? <laughs> the problem is, is when we get tired of waiting, we build idols. We build something else in place, and we go wholeheartedly at that. Maybe for you, it's your job. Maybe it's a family, maybe it's activities, maybe it's other things. And the truth is, is all we've done is put our hands on something because we got tired of waiting. We got tired of waiting on God. Let's make sure that we're passing the test of obscurity. Because how, how you manage it, can you both be abased and abound? 
We all want to abound, right? I mean, let's, let's be real. None of us want to be abased, but you know what? There's something important about being able to do both. If we're really going to reach out and touch this world, I need to know how to be content when I am completely abased. When I don't have enough. When I'm worried about where the next check is going to come from. When I'm not quite sure if I can make that bill or not. I need to know how to praise God just as fervently there as I do when I've got plenty of zeros on the right end of the decimal. <laughs> I should be able to operate as God in my life, Him showing, Him showing Himself through me on both ends. Can I, can I have need or can I have plenty? Can things be as difficult as can imagine as imaginable? Can they be, we're on easy street this week? Can you do both? We all think we can do the abounding. But the truth is, is there's enough, there's just as many difficulties with abounding as there is with being abased. There's just as much issue in our heart trusting in God when we're abounding. And actually, it's maybe more. Maybe I, I'm, I'm reminded of the scriptures in Deuteronomy that says, so when things are good, and when you're in the promised land, what does it say? Don't forget the Lord your God. How can we forget it? Because our minds are so cluttered. We are so busy abounding that we forget those moments of obscurity. Lord, I don't want to forget the moments of obscurity. Because when I look at people, I don't want to, I don't want to overlook people. I was coming in um, this evening and kids ran around me as if I were a mere pillar or post. And they ran around me to get to my kids. Yeah! Hi, guys. <laughs> Hi, how's it going? Good to see you. Didn't even exist. <laughs> Let me encourage you guys. Wherever you are, there's something about when you understand that there's a purpose, that there's a method behind the madness, and you understand that the dark is not to harm you or to push you away, it's to develop your character. For me, it gives me that renewed sense of hope. Can I encourage you in this? When the children of Israel, uh, when the three Hebrew children were in the fiery furnace, what happened in the fiery furnace? Um, well, first of all, they were thrown in, right? You guys know the story. I won't, I won't belabor the point. It was in the fiery furnace that they were set free. They were bound, thrown into the fire. Guys, who threw them in? Right? They're in the fire, so what happens to them? They are completely set free from their bondage. If you are in the fire, if you are going through some financial difficult times, if you are going through some times that are difficult spiritually on you, let me encourage you that this may be the very moment, not that it is designed to consume you, the moment, the very moment that will set you free into what God has for you. The children, the, the three Hebrew, sorry, the three Hebrew children, they were set free from their bonds. They walked with Jesus, set free from their bonds, and they literally. Hey, how many people did we throw in that fire? Seriously, I mean, how many people do you normally throw in the fire? Like, did we forget? Like, was it that quick? The other guys died. I mean, we threw three in, right? I see four. What's going on? What's going on in your life, Eric? 
I thought, I thought that this was, I thought I had all your problem figured out looking from the outside. I see you in the fire and I thought I had it all figured out. <laughs> but Eric must have messed up. But wait, I see a fourth. I see something different now walking around when I'm looking at his circumstances. When I'm on the outside looking into his flames, I see something different. And it looks like it, God, can it be? It looks like it's the Son of God. When God looks into your circumstance, you're like, I'm on fire! <laughs> Help me! What it must have been like to be in the fire, be completely liberated, and walk with Jesus. Now here's the outcome. They come out, right? They didn't even smell like smoke. The laws of physics no longer apply. Didn't apply to them when they were in there. Their clothes didn't burn up. It didn't apply to them after when they came out. There wasn't even a residual of where they had been. Let me encourage you with the word of God for some of you. I don't care where you are. You can come out of this and there not even be residual of where you were. Amen. You used to struggle with that? You don't know. Man, I, I, fought a, I, I was in the fire for a long time because of that. And people can look at you and go, you don't even smell like smoke, man. I don't, I don't believe you. I, I just don't believe you. Like, bro, let me tell you. Let me tell you. You don't know the fire that I've been through, right? Have you heard that from people? Yeah. Oh, I can't believe it. Such and such used to be this way. We have a friend of mine who's on staff. Such an I, I honor him. He is a he is a he's he's a youngin, but he's sixty or so years old. That's a youngin. I did. I said it. He's a youngin, and when he tells of his testimony, I love it because it just I'm like, there's no way. He's like, yep, I was a drug dealer down in downtown Austin. I'm like, you were? That's awesome. Not that he was a drug dealer. <laughs> They're like, mixed message there, dude. Sorry. But that back in the day, that was it. That was part of the fire that he walked through. But he was set free in the midst of his fire. Amen. In the midst of what he was searching for that he thought drugs would answer. He is set free. And he is such a wonderful minister. Oh, my gosh. I looked at him and go, can we just sit down every once in a while? Can you just teach me? Just tell me whatever you want to tell me. Because there's no smell of smoke on I don't care what he did. I do not care. Because I see that he has been released, walked with Jesus, and that he can see on I sincerely think that that's for some people here tonight. I don't, I don't, and I don't mean this, I hope this, I hope this comes out compassionate. I don't care where you are. I don't, I want you to be encouraged in the midst. Maybe that's a better way to say it. I want you to be encouraged in the midst of where you are. There's loneliness. There's God, oh And here's the problem. Is that we'll get into this thing and we're like, but God, I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do. Uh-huh. What am I doing wrong? You know how I'm wired? When I'm in those difficult times, you know, the very first thing I think of is how can I work harder to get myself out of this? Can I strive harder? Maybe, God, you're not happy with me. You know what? This is part of life, son. Wake up. Um, Exodus. Children, children of Israel are, are about to cross through the Red Sea. They're really about to get birth as a nation. They're going to go through the waters. It's going to baptize them into being a nation. Okay? 
the, the picture there is that they're literally getting baptized, the whole nation. And Moses says something to the effect of, hey, you know, stand strong for the Egyptians that you see today, you will not see again. This is a word from the Lord. In the very next verse, you know what it says? God's like, why are you coming to me with this? Have you ever read the Bible and just be like, there's a disconnect here? I, like, if you were there, you've got to slow down a little bit and put yourself in the story. Moses is, all right, people, God will deliver. I'll be right back. He goes and talks to God, and God's like, why are you bringing this to me? Tell him to get up and go. Like, I've already talked to him. Why, why are we... <laughs> we're going to die you brought us out here because there weren't enough graves over there <laughs> oh! seriously seriously did you see the ten plagues that happened like five minutes ago did you see that every firstborn was killed except for the ones that had the blood over the doorpost did you see that part did you miss that part oh god why <laughs> seriously sometimes we do the same thing God can do the most the biggest miracle in our life he can bring life where there is death. And give me five, give me about five minutes. <laughs> oh God, where are you now? Seriously, how quickly I forget. Sometimes God just says, "Would you just get up and go? Would you quit all that belly aching? Would you just move on? Would you?" I thought I was supposed to wait. It's go and it's wait. Yes, it's both. Sometimes it's an attitude of our heart that says, "I'm ready to go," and God says, "Okay, okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna push pause on you right there." as things are being worked out. There's something that's just in vital and important about understanding that God is a both and kind of God. I'm so glad he's both and. I struggle to be either or. I don't even do that very well. <laughs> I run over here and try to be full of grace. I run over here and try to be full of truth and he just is. If we don't understand this principle well, I hope this is okay for my introduction. Um, if we don't understand understand what we're talking about very well, it's like, um, how many of you ever had a flat tire? Okay? Blessed event, right? <laughs> Especially when you're dressed up and it's Texas and it's 4,000 degrees outside. Love those. So we've all had the experience with a flat tire, right? Um, if you get your tool to help you get the, the lug nuts free, right? What happens if I put the wrong one I get the wrong instrument. It's got to be bigger, right? Or if it's smaller, it won't fit on. But if it's just a little bit too big, let's just say I've got a metric and I've got me a American-made car. Some of you may not understand. That ain't going to fit. That ain't going to work. All right, but I put it on there. And what, what do I start doing? Because I'm, I'm a persistent little dude. And so I'll get on there and I'm like, this ain't going. And so what am I going to do? I'm going to do it harder. I will stand on one end and try to pull on the other end. What am I going to do? I'm just going to strip it out. And I will make a much bigger mess. What I'm encouraging you not to do is try to do this on your own power. Because you're going to put the wrong end on the wrong thing and work really, really hard. Yay, good for you. You worked really, really hard and you messed it up. When we don't understand this principle that we're talking about, this test of obscurity, this understanding that God is both. If we try to do this too much in our own head, as Americans, we think that we're very intellectual. We are an intellectual and materialistic people. 
people will try to say, some of you heard in your brain just then that we are smart and rich. That's not at all what I said. I said we are intellectual and materialistic. And we try to do this, we think that we can think our way to better things. We've unplugged our computer and we plug in a data line. And we think that we're going to make things operate like they should. Just get plugged into the source. I used to hear all the old timers when I was growing up in church. Brother, you just need more Jesus. And I said, Jesus. Right, you know, right? And I was like, that is because I think I'm smart sometimes. And they were like, yes, sir, that's great. Thank you so much. They don't really understand. That's too simple of an answer. No, it's actually not. I know, understand how small they were. <laughs> if you need more peace in your life, you know what you need? You do not need an absence of conflict. The problem is, is we define certain things in the Bible by our surroundings. Lord, I need peace. You know why? Because I mean, I have conflict. No, you know what you need? is It's not going to be the absence of conflict because that may never happen. You know what? Maybe it's not going to get better in certain areas. The conflict won't go away. But you know what I need? I need more of Jesus. That's what I need. Amen. Jesus is peace. Amen. Jesus is love. When I have more of Him, I have what I need. Amen. We try to pray at a very surface level. Lord, change my circumstances. Change things around me. If only I had a better job. Lord, that's what I need. I will pray for a better job. If only I had more money in my bank account. Lord, I will now pray for more money. Lord, I need more of you because you are my provision. If I have nothing in the bank, if I have you, I'm exactly where I need to be. If, if I have you, it doesn't matter who my boss is or who my employees are. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's just part of the dark room. It's just part of things getting developed in me. It doesn't even matter. They, they, that, those cannot impact my peace level. And if I let it, it's my fault. If I am not at peace, it's because I am not connected with the source. I need, man, I need to be more loving. I need more of Jesus because He is. God is love. He is love. He doesn't try to be love. He doesn't give me love. He is love. When we speak, you guys realize that speaking is a symbolic thing. Language is full of symbols. If I say the word car, you picture some type of car. If you're Eric, you're probably picturing a muscle car, right? Lots of horsepower, right? When God talks about it, when God says car, there's a car that appears. <laughs> when God says peace, I can talk to you about peace, and you can understand a concept. Maybe you're thinking doves. Maybe you're thinking a serene lake with a fishing pole. Uh -huh. <laughs> I knew I'd get Charlie. I knew I'd get him. Right? When I say peace, you have some picture. It's a storm with a, a beautiful little dove in a, in, a, in a tree being completely calm. Right? Great. When Jesus talks to you about peace, you sense peace and you are at peace. When he speaks it, it is. He brings it into reality in your life. That's different. That's different. That sound bite that you heard from pastor, whoever, thank you God for those pastors. Thank you God for men who study the word and really try to present the word. That guy is not going to give me peace. 
if I am blessed by him, it's because he spoke a word directly from God. And even in a residual format, it blessed me. I'm still kind of blown away, truthfully. I know, you know, modern day and all. I'm still blown away that people, I can hear a recording from this church and be totally blessed and feel the presence of God. And it is a digital thing on my phone. My God, you still showed up? Oh, that was still you. That's awesome. I love that. People all over the world uh, download and listen to sermons from here. Do you know that? All over the world. How many, do you know how many countries? 20 countries? At least. That just blows my mind. I just love that. But we've got to get to where we can hear, hear from God. Does this make any sense to you? Yes, sir. Um, so, and that's my introduction. Um, <laughs> now I will try to find where I am in my notes. Um, unless we think that the Bible isn't full of people in obscurity, really, if you think about most of the Bible stories, that's really where they are. David is a shepherd. David, after he was anointed to be king, come on, that'll... That'll mess with your theology. That'll mess with the practical way that you deal with God's word. He was anointed to be king and didn't fulfill that immediately. If God has anointed you for kingly purposes, can you serve in the menial task until? Without getting tired? Without getting fed up? Without getting worn out? Without throwing in the towel and walking away? I think there's plenty of people who walk away from the kingdom because of that very fact. I thought that this was going to happen. And because they didn't see it yet. And they walk away. And let's not be a people who are easily to, to, to dust our hands off from what God has said to us. Let's be able to cling to it. Because the doubt comes in, right? When you're all by yourself, it's when things go bump in the night. When, I, when we leave our house, our kids are getting to the age now where we can leave and go catch, you know, go visit with somebody or whatever. We'll come back to the house and every light in the house is on. I'm like, oh my gosh, you even turned the oven on. No, he didn't do that. It's like, seriously, people? Seriously. Seriously, there's there's no light that hasn't been turned on. I mean, and it's because, it's because they're having to they're having to figure all this stuff out. They're having to grow in this. Let me let me let me let me jump ahead and let me jump on with this. But uh, let's turn to first Corinthians chapter 10. Lest I come here to this church and not read some scripture and be forever excommunicated. First Corinthians chapter 10. And then I will wrap up here very shortly. First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 1 says, For I do not want you to be ignorant. I do not want you to be ignorant. This is not a level of your intelligence. This is a lack of understanding. I don't want you to be ignorant of what's going on. Or as I used to say, I don't want you to be ignorant. Right? Didn't even pronounce all the letters in that. Don't want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud. If I say all. all. They were all under the cloud. And that they all passed through the sea. If I say all. all. They were all baptized. And listen to this. This is not, I won't take time on this, but they were baptized into Moses. 
salvation. They were baptized in the cloud, in the Holy Spirit. And they were baptized in the sea, the water. It's amazing how many times you go through the scripture and you see these three forms of baptism that take place. There's always a baptism in another place in 1 John 5. It talks about being baptized in the blood, in water, and in the spirit. Blood, water, spirit. Kind of gives you these three pictures. Here the entire nation laying out principles for us to follow. Thousands of years later, we see that they were all baptized in the Moses, in the cloud, and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food. All of them. They all ate it. What kind of spiritual food was that? Uh huh. Who is the bread of life? Giving us a picture. This spiritual food. This is, this is the New Testament looking back and going, this was really spiritual food. Yes, it was something physical, but there was something spiritual about it as well. Sometimes we forget that we are dual citizens, right? We have two kingdoms that we are operating in. Um, Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. They ate from a particular tree. What tree did they eat from? What was the fruit on the knowledge of good and evil? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everybody's like, apple. No. The correct answer is knowledge. There were two kingdoms. Whatever the fruit was, it was knowledge. We picture in our mind a fruit. They could see something more. There was a tree of life. I don't know what that fruit looked like either. But whenever they ate of that fruit, they would have lived forever. There are spiritual things that go on and we will eat a piece of man, but there is something spiritual that, is, that was being imparted to these people. Yes, it was sustenance. The Bible says it was spiritual food. And they all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. You, of course, know the story of the water from the rock. What are, what are the children of Israel doing? They're doing what they normally do, and they're murmuring, right? They're very good at that. Very, very good. We are very good at that. We're very, very good. It's easy to call it them. Those crazy Israelites. <laughs> Always murmuring. Always building idols. The older I get, the more I realize that I am. I read this and I see that I'm no different than the people that I see in this Bible. Lest I think that I am better and miss the whole point. So, they were out in the desert. First time, God instructs Moses and he strikes the rock and water flows. Second time, Moses is supposed to speak to it. That picture of the first time, Christ will be crucified and life will flow. The second time, you are not going to strike him again. You can speak to him and receive the life. But you don't, you don't strike him again. But we're at a point where we speak to him, where we show faith, and water is supposed to flow. Right? That was just a little extra bit for you. Verse 5. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Huh. Plenty of people who can go to church. Plenty of people who can eat the food. It doesn't say that they weren't actually receiving 
it actually says the opposite. They were receiving the food. They were receiving the drink. They were all baptized into Moses and in the sea and in the cloud. Now these things occurred as examples, verse 6, to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Can I encourage you? Um, what I'm trying to teach my 13-year-old son is um, we're, we're, we're long into the discussion about being pure as a young man. What he is very quick to do right now is, Dad, I got it. I'm going to be good. I'm, I'm, what he's saying is, Dad, I hear you. But right now he's, he's a little bit too confident for me. Not that I think that she, he should walk around in some, with some religious thing upon him, but um, I don't want you to be overly confident in this. I don't want you to set your heart on something evil and think it's good. Treat the knowledge of good and evil. There are some good things around us that can keep us from hearing all that God has for us. There's some good things, but they're not what God has for us. Keep us, uh, to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters. We've kind of already talked about that. They set up the golden calf because they were just tired of waiting. As some of them did, and it's written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revel. That's exactly what it says there in Exodus. Verse 8, we should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. I was going to take more time and go actually and show you in the Old Testament some of these stories. Because when you look at this one, in Numbers 25, the story that it's referring to, it talks about how they were committing sexual immorality, but how they were sinning against God. It talks about the sexual immorality and what they had to do and, and to, to fix that. But when we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, it is, we're not committing the sin only against another person. We're committing the way. Let's let's just go there really quickly. I want to be respectful of the time in this house that I'm in. But Numbers chapter 25. Y'all still with me? Yes. Okay. Numbers chapter 25. 25.1. While Israel was staying in Shittim, the men began to indulge in sexual immorality with Moabite women who invited them to the, to the sacrifices to their gods. The people ate and bowed down before these gods. So Israel joined in worshiping the Baal of Peor, and the Lord's anger burned against them. The Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of these people, take all the leaders of these people, kill them and expose them in broad daylight before the Lord. Well, we should keep everything a secret. Not always the way the Bible says it. We like to be discreet in our day and time. There's something interesting about uh, we like to be discreet because we're all afraid that we'll be exposed. Sometimes. We call our sins issues because it's easier to deal with an issue than it is to deal with sin. I'm not living the way I'm supposed to. I got issues. No, you don't. You got sin. Stop. Walk away from it. Flee. Run away. I think this is one of those cases where the Lord's like, what are you coming to me for? Get, you, get out of this. Take them, all the leaders of the people, kill them and expose them in broad daylight before the Lord so that the Lord's fierce anger may turn away from Israel. Um, 
So Moses said to the Israelite judges, to Israel's judges, each of you must put to death those of your men who have joined in worshiping the Baal of Beal. Then an Israelite man brought to his family a Midianite woman right before the eyes of Moses. Don't you hate it when you tell your kids not to do something and like two seconds later they go and do it? Really? I just told you not to do that. That's exactly what happens. Bam! This word is going forth. Then an Israelite man brought, verse 6, brought to his family, brought to his family, a Midianite woman right before the eyes of Moses. I can see somebody tiptoeing. Are you serious? Really? The whole assembly of Israel while they were weeping at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Some people can be weeping before God's presence, repenting, and others are being as vile as you can imagine. When Phineas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw this, he left the assembly, took his spear in his hand. Right? There's something about this that we're not just sinning against each other. We're not only sinning against another human. We literally are sinning against God. Back to 1 Corinthians 10 so I can write this up. What's that? There's the rest of it. Yes. Drove the spear through them. Both. And the plague stopped. Verse 9 in 1 Corinthians 10. We should not test the Lord. Sorry about that. We should not test the Lord as some of them did. Testing the Lord. What did they do to test the Lord? What's that? They're going to test Him. They're not going to trust in God. That's really how you're testing it. Oh, we're out here again. It says that they literally tested the Lord by their attitude. Sometimes we read stuff and we're like, get, get the heart, get the, get the big picture. Their hearts were literally testing God. When uh, Uzzah, Uzziah, however you say his name, put his hand on the, on, the, on the Ark of the Covenant to keep it steady, what happened? God struck him dead. Why? Because of his irreverent act. There's something about the heart of that man. Yes, it was an action, but it was a heart as well. It was the irreverent. It didn't say because he touched it. It said because it was an irreverent act. Don't test the Lord. Don't be so simple-minded as to not have faith in the one who saved you time and time and time again. Verse 10. And do not grumble as some of them did. I look at this as two things. One is testing the Lord, but I don't trust him. When I grumble, I grumble against God's people. One is towards God, one is towards people. Huh. I don't know what Pastor Matt's doing. I don't know what Elder Charlie's doing. It's easy to fall into. Because we can mask it with our issues nowadays. We're not gossiping. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Right? Verse 11, these things happened as, to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. Hallelujah. Amen. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up I close with the same thing that I started with. If you're in a place of obscurity, 
please know that God will not put you in a place. He is not looking for you to fail. He is trying to give you an opportunity to succeed. He is not setting you up for your demise. He is setting you up for your greatest victory. He is. He is setting you up to fulfill everything that He's put within you. Don't test the Lord in thinking that He's setting you up for failure. Don't grumble against your leaders when they're trying to say, hey, come on, you can do this. It's hard. It's a hard word. It's okay. God is setting you up for victory. Let me pray over you guys.